0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. What is up, good folks? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in for this one. This is a really great episode. I really, really enjoyed our conversation, and just like last time Scott came on, I enjoyed the Patreon conversation even more. We really we really went into some weird territories that I don't think we've actually fully explored on this podcast before. So that was really, really fun. I think you're going to enjoy this main episode. If you are not familiar with Scott, I would suggest going back to his previous episode and checking that out. You'll get a little more familiar with him as a person and his company. And on this one, we, you know, we kind of go all over the place. But We talk about some updates to his amplifiers, what goes into that. And how that is unique considering the lifestyle that he leads. So yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy that. And yes, this Patreon episode is absolutely fabulous. So if you want to support the show and you want to get all that bonus content, that's the way to do it. You can go to patreon.com slash tone mob, or you can go in Apple podcasts and subscribe to the premium content there. Whatever you would like. So yeah, with that out of the way, let's get into this one with my dude Scott from templo here we go hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the tone mob podcast the show about guitar stuff occasionally sometimes i'm your host blake wyland and with me today i have returning mr scott strange From Templo Audio Devices, what's going on, man? Howdy! It's been a while. It has been a while. I feel like I feel like we last talked on the podcast right before everything imploded, pretty much. Like maybe it was a little before that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it's been a a longer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I think right after. So actually, let's backpedal a little bit for anyone who's not familiar with Scott and his stuff, go back and listen to the first episode. Otherwise, a lot of this will be somewhat confusing because he <laughs> chooses to li- live a very unique and cool lifestyle, and we go we went into that pretty heavily on his first episode, which actually directly influences his products, so it all makes sense. But, you know, without d- rehashing that for everybody, just go back and listen to that, and then listen to this one because we are going to be talking a lot about you know, what he's been up to these last few years, and I want to dig into that pretty extensively because I'm sure he has an experience let, that's uh, unlike most of us. So anyway, the quick version is you like to travel, basically, a mm-hmm. lot in yeah. very unique ways. Maybe you can give the Cliff Notes version for those that haven't heard that first episode. Uh, I guess it started a
1: long time ago, about uh, 12 years now on the road, but... I just like to change the scenery, you know, keep it interesting. I've mm-hmm. always been somebody who who likes to see everything that's out there. You know, I used to get, like, catalogs of, like, uh, this place called the Robot Store and look at all the parts and, and things like that, just kind of see everything that's in the world. And I've just always been curious, so I think changing locations is part of that as well, learning different cultures and uh, languages, things like that, have just kind of been interesting to me, so I, I like to keep it fresh.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pretty much, for the most part— you go through periods where you live on the road, essentially, and just go from place to place, take everything as it comes, and uh, just really just experience it all. But you also <laughs> like to play guitar <laughs> while doing that. <laughs> and uh, that's why you've, you've made these amplifiers and some of the other devices you've, you've come up with. But, yeah, since that is the Cliff, Note, Cliff Notes version, when we last left off, basically, it, was, it felt like maybe a month later, maybe even less, you basically hit the road again you were when you we've recorded you were kind of at a home base and then you hit the road mm-hmm. again so what has that been like these last few crazy years like did you end up having to uh, hunker down anywhere or what what did that look well, like well i
1: actually i got super lucky with this it was it's funny it's like uh i mean i'm pretty fortunate compared i think to a lot of different experiences uh through covid and all that stuff uh I actually hunkered down right before all of it started and nice. then stayed hunkered down in this. I had a workshop basically in the woods that had a workshop below when I was living above uh, in on an island in on the west coast of Canada. It was beautiful. So it didn't really feel like anything was going on. Like I was just kind of in the woods working right. on stuff. Uh, and so I got to really dig into this uh, project and really work on the amp. And I built a few guitars. I built a bunch of uh, custom stuff. And I was there for about two years, I want to say. Uh, And then basically the landlord uh, said, hey, we want our building back. You have two months. And I went, well, I just did a run of nomads. They're almost, most of them are done. Well, you know, I'm kind of ready to keep moving. Like I, originally this project was just, I'd met this investor. I said, hey, I've got this really cool amp. I want people to have them, but I don't really want a day job. And so I was kind of hesitant. And then I ended up talking to him and my plan was, I thought this was going to be a quick project, you know, like I make 20 amps, I sell them, I pay him back, I've got money to keep going, and great. And then about a month in, I went, this is a long-term project. (laughs) So uh, that's why I started with the Rambler, which is the smaller one, and then I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this, like if I'm really going to do this, I'm going to make the best possible version of this that I can do, and that's why I went to the Nomad. The Rambler is an amazing amp, uh, but the Nomad is kind of the the distillation of all the things that I would want in a perfect amp,
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: so I got into that. But then basically I did that for a while and I get this notice and I go, you know what? Great. I kind of want to move on anyway. I want to, I, I love Mexico. I spent a lot of time there, but I hadn't in two years. And um, I thought this is the perfect excuse. So what I did was uh, when they gave me my notice, I went and bought a school bus and, <laughs> and then As I you started do. for, yeah. And I started four guitars. I said, all right, I've got two months. I still have 20 nomads to finish and ship. I'm going to start four guitars right now. I'm going to start a bus project. So I bought a bus, I parked it, and then I basically spent uh, whatever, 16, 18 hours a day. I would wake up at at noon and work from noon till sundown on the bus. Like I cut holes in the roof. I I welded a deck on top. I I gutted the whole thing and built like a house inside of it. Mm -hmm. And so I would do that all day. And then at uh, midnight, let's say, I would eat something and then I would work until four in the morning on the amps and the guitars. And then wow. pass out, and I did that for for two months straight. So it was it was not very much fun, but it was uh, I got a lot done. And then uh, and then when time came to move out, I I loaded up uh, the the still almost finished guitars in the bus, and I drove around the west coast of Canada for about a month because I just needed some adventure. I'd been cooped up for two years, so I drove around in this bus. Uh, well, I think it was the yeah it was the fall of last year, mm-hmm. and then. I drove back to the coast, I sold the bus and used that money to go to Mexico for the winter. And I spent all all this winter in
0: Mexico. I'm really curious what the person who bought the bus's plan was. Was he gonna do something <laughs> similar or 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 they, whoever it was? I don't know. It was uh it was a guy who he bought it and threw a wood stove in it, and then he parked it at like a ski
1: hole and he lives in it uh, he lived in it for the winter at a ski hill, I think.
0: Oh, nice. That actually sounds yeah. kind of nice. I like that. That's yeah. It was nice. I had a kitchen
1: in there, everything but a bathroom, which I don't think you don't you really want to go to the bathroom in a vehicle you're living in, unless it's a really long bus.
0: Uh, yeah, you know that gets into a whole tank system and a whole another thing. <laughs> yeah, I lived on a sailboat. You don't want to sleep three feet away from your toilet. No, it's not fun. No, not a good thing. Not a good thing. I've I've done a, a little bit of a rv travel and it was always funny to me as a kid where dad's like don't use the toilet unless you absolutely have to and i was like but why it's it's right there and it's for it's what it's for and then as i got older i understood like yeah because he was gonna have yeah. to deal with it you know yeah <laughs> like, we're bringing it with us yeah it's coming along for the ride things you'd rather leave behind but it's coming along with us yeah no it was so, it was a great time that bus was awesome that's, that's super cool. Do you have any uh, photos of it?
1: I do on my personal Instagram. So if you're one of the two people that crosses over from my business to my personal, <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> I'll have to go uh, check that out later. But it was, it was just a, sh- a short school bus. I painted it turquoise and then I built a, like a welded, uh, so I, I can't weld, but what I did was I went, like I, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, uh what's the word? And, and resourceful, if you will, because I didn't want to spend a bunch of money because these things cost, you know, when people flip buses, they cost like 30 grand or something like this. So right. I went to this junkyard and got some steel beams and then I got a, uh, a saw from the thrift store and I just put a metal blade on it and I cut all the metal myself. Sorry about that. And uh, and and then I went to the welding shop and I said, hey, can can we do this for cheap? And the guy said, well… Uh, I'm expensive, but I have my apprentice here. And if basically you sign this, just sign a paper that says you won't sue us. You can help him, and then we'll only charge you for his time. So I ended up doing like a whole uh, thing for the roof, and it was nice. It was like a whole roof deck. So I had a second story above, and it was yeah, I loved it. A little hatch in the middle of the bus, and the
0: shelves were also a ladder, so you could pop through the middle, and there you go, have a bed on the roof. Yeah, it was great. Nice, nice. That's <laughs> that honestly sounds like like. I I got too much baggage now, but back in the day, I could see myself yeah. kind of enjoying that. Even though I'm not a road trip guy as we discussed uh, extensively on the original episode, uh I can see the uh, the appeal with a nicely set up bus mm-hmm. and just sleeping out on top of the roof. That sounds kind of nice. I can I can dig that. Yeah, and I had a, I think 11 guitars stuffed in there. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Are they all ones you made. Like, there was four that I was finishing from the shop so I did everything except for like the fret dressing and all the final setup Uh, and then a couple I made a bass I made an acoustic I made and then yeah I just had a like under the bed was just stuffed with guitars I had them you know a little rack for guitars one hanging without a case there's just guitars (laughs) everywhere but they were kind of tucked away so if you looked inside you go oh he's got one guitar but once I opened the back and pulled everything out there's yeah I think 11 at one point and a drum kit (laughs) it's
0: like a Russian (laughs) doll of musical instruments that just keeps coming yeah they never end all the storage space that's fantastic. Yeah. So then I take it, you know, you, you were working with that investor. You were planning on this being a short-term thing. You realized it mm-hmm. wasn't. Now are you pretty much like, okay, this is what I do now. Or are you still yeah. trying to like travel around and like, how, how are you doing all this? How are you balancing this? Well, that's the thing is that's the word. I'm trying to find that, that spot for the pendulum to
1: rest in, in a place where I can do both. And that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, going to Mexico was nice for the winter, but I almost got no work done. I mean, there was still kind of logistical stuff or or planning or or working on the new design. Like I would call my friend back home and say, hey, try this. You've got, you know, a soldering iron and stuff. Try this out and tell me what that sounds like and see if that would work for this. Or So I'm trying to, you know, because when I'm on the road, like I was in Mexico and I had an apartment for about four months, but I didn't really have access to, you know, I couldn't have parts shipped to me easily or, or uh, go to the local electronics store or anything like that. I was kind of in a beach town uh, I know hard life, but, uh, (laughs) it's kind of hard to get work done. So, uh, then I come back, like I've been back to Canada for about a week and a half now. And since I've been back, all I've been doing is working. Like I go to my friend's house every day. We, we work on the circuit. I'm on, you know, designing stuff for the website and all that. So I'm trying to find that sweet spot where I can, I can do both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does seem like logistically you would need somewhere solid set up semi-permanent, at least, to fulfill out of, to build out of all of that jazz while sil- simultaneously trying to maintain your sanity uh, because you do like mm-hmm. to wander around. So it, it's it's a hybrid approach that I think is achievable, but it definitely is going to require a lot of, you know, resourceful thinking on on your part, which you're used yeah. to. Well, it's, it's interesting because this whole process has been uh,
1: almost like serendipitous in a way where people come into my life right when I need them. I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm like, how am I going to pull this off? And then I go, like, for example, this week, I was like, hey, I'm going to go catch up with an old high school friend I haven't seen in 10 years I go see his new restaurant. And I go, I start chatting with him and, and he's like, oh, I'm actually, uh, I have an online store. I have my own warehouse here. I do fulfillment. I was like, oh, cool.
0: Oh, you don't Maybe say. we can
1: work together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, just people show up and they're like, hey, can I offer you exactly what you needed right now? And I'm like, wow, that's, that's wild. So, like, I had a friend also who was really into, like, Instagram ads and how to do all that, and he'd studied kind of that for his band, and I was like, hey, you want me to make you cool gear, and you can help me just do that stuff, because I'm busy designing, running this, doing, you know, everything else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people just show up at the right time, which has been really cool, and people believe
0: in the project, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a hole where this type of thing is, is concerned, and still even you know it's been several years since we first talked and it still hasn't really been filled in the way that you're filling it and uh yeah <laughs> that's i hope nobody catches on <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone don't tell anyone but uh what's this so... nomad? <laughs> fender nomad fender <laughs> nomad it looks just like wait a minute hey that actually could work out good for you you know i'm just saying yeah like if a... yeah Maybe. hey fender you listening Anybody listening right now? Somebody (laughs) at vendors listening to this right now. I think I wrote uh, somebody tangentially connected, yeah. So, where do you have like sort of a, a plan moving forward with all of this? I know we've talked about it a little bit on the Instagram DMs, but how are you planning on both operationally and, you know, for the end consumers? What's this going to look like? as far as trying to get their hands on this amp? And we should probably just talk about the amp specifically because you've made some updates to it too. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great
1: question. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I'm just playing catch up with this because my, like the, my, my spear point is not let's make money, let's have a business, like I'm an entrepreneur. My, my main driving focus is I just want this to exist. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to be the guy to, to be making them or to be doing all this, but somebody has to do it uh, cause I want one of these amps basically. So I'm, <laughs> I'm also a customer. Um, so I was at a point where I was just like, you know what? It's, it's pretty finished. Why don't I just like sell this to some big company and go retire to an Island? But unfortunately it doesn't work that way.
0: Not uh, usually. You really no. have to,
1: no, you have to develop the product to a point where basically it's selling itself and then you just hand them over the already running business. And I was like, well, if that's going to happen, I might as well just keep going. Uh, because then I get to control it because once you hand it over, you know, your baby, it could, they can just do whatever, and maybe quality goes down, or they don't care about certain things. Like, to me, there's a lot of things about this amp that are important, and that's why we did these updates. Like, so I made this amp, and I did the best I could in terms of, you have to make compromises, too, when you're manufacturing. Totally. You know, if I was making one amp for myself, I would put, as you know, I'd try throwing tubes in there, and try doing all this crazy stuff, uh, because I'm only doing one, and I can pull it off. But, To do a lot of them, I I learned a lot in that process. And there was kind of certain, I wouldn't say corners you have to cover, there's certain concessions you have to make when designing these things. And so I did that. I did a sort of like a digital style, like a Belton style reverb, uh, just as a courtesy, because I was like, I use my own reverb pedal that I like, but not everybody has one. So I'll throw a reverb in there. I'll throw a mic input. And they weren't amazing. Like the mic was just kind of, I call it a courtesy mic for let's say my friends are in Mexico, they're playing a show on the beach and they've only got the one amp. Well, at least you can plug in and get some vocals. They won't sound crisp like through a PA, but you have something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of who I had in mind, but there's also the whole other market of people who like, I don't know, have access to maybe better gear and, and they're more discerning with the the tones and all this stuff. And so I wanted to kind of meet all of those things, which is a big challenge. So I said, all right, if we're going to do another run, I want it improve all these things that I was kind of, you know, was almost losing sleep over. I lay I lay in bed at night and go, damn, the mic just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't make me want to play. That's what I want. You want a, a thing that makes you want to, you know, get up and go over to it. You don't know why, but let me just flick that amp on for a couple of seconds and and play so I feel better today, you know? Yes, totally. That's kind of, exactly, that's what we're all about. Uh That's what kind of why we all do this, the obsession. But um so I said well, it has to have, let's go to Spring Reverb. It's gonna be a pain in the butt. It's gonna be more expensive. Uh, we're gonna have to redevelop all this stuff, like basically pull that whole section out and redo it. Uh, and let's get the mic working. And then the tone of the amp, while good, a lot of people really liked it. There's a couple of people like, you know, it doesn't work with my P90s or it doesn't sound great in this context. And I was like, I want it, I want this amp to be everything for everyone, which is a big order. And I don't think I'm gonna achieve it, but I can at least shoot for that. Yeah. And so we started looking at tone and, and all this stuff. because, So I just to kind of give you some some insider secrets, I'm developing this, but there's a guy behind the scenes who doesn't want money, doesn't want fame. He just is like obsessed with tone. He, he has this basement workshop and just builds the craziest things you've ever seen, the best tube amps, all this stuff. And we talk about five or six times a day and he's the guy that's been helping me. Like we go back and forth. So I go, hey, what if we did this? And he's like, well, here's this old schematic from this thing and maybe we could borrow this idea and make it work. And then mm-hmm. I, I call him and I go, you know, I just called him right before. And I was like, oh, he's, he's calling me right now. <laughs> uh, but because uh, I was just about to call him and say, hey, do you think if we turned the feedback resistor down and put this up, we'd get more reverb, but cleaner, you know, like that's, we're just doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we, I said, like, should I put one tone control? Because, you know, it's just easier or a three stack. And, and so we went over this and there's just choices you have to make, like for the size of the chassis and the size of the amp. Okay, we'll just put one tone control. And that ended up uh, kind of biting me in the butt. So all that to say, I came back and put this, this other tone control idea that we implemented that can kind of like give you a little mid-scoop or bass cut. And that just opened the thing right up. Like now it just sounds a lot clearer because of like the size of the cab and the way we're using it. Like we're using a Class D power amp mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. It's not uh, sonically like they sound kind of like flat EQ. Yeah, so they're definitely. not like magical tube sounding, but they're very efficient. They're very loud, uh, and they they work great for the job. But so this just kind of opened it up and just makes it sound awesome. Like I I keep walking across the room and just flicking it on and go, oh, I didn't realize I'm playing now, or just like that that draw to it, which is really nice <laughs> with the uh, so, and with the real spring.
0: Yeah, so how do you go about because PA's and guitar amps they're While they both amplify sound and make things louder, Mm -hmm. they're definitely voiced completely different. PAs are generally trying Mm -hmm. to just be as neutral as possible just to capture whatever is being fed to them. And guitar amps have character. That's why we Mm -hmm. all like certain amps or don't like certain amps. They have their own voice and their own character to them, which doesn't tend to make a great PA most of the time because you know, all of a sudden you're plugging a microphone in and you sound like this, you know, like because yeah. it's it's got a different character because our voice is not a guitar pickup. So mm-hmm. how do you make that crossover? Did you just end up eliminating the microphone or d- did you figure out a way to make it work? Well, so we kept the mic. I didn't want to do an Apple move because I make the the
1: splice pedal, by the way. They just came in. They got these cool boxes. Nice. Uh, but the splice pedal was kind of for my solution for my board to mix my voice and my guitar together because I wanted to go into my looper first for like beatboxing or, or through reverb and different things. So I never really used the mic input in the amp, but I didn't want to be Apple and be like, oh, buy the buy the cable separate kind of thing. Like Get if, the dongle. If you need to do yeah. a certain yeah. – yeah. So I, I left the mic because I'm like, you know what? Somebody's going to use it. It's going to be useful. And what I did was we went through a few ideas. One of them was putting a whole separate power amp in just to run a tweeter for the mic and, right. and to route that through. And that seemed a little like we'd have to redesign the cab. And and so that was a bit much. And what I ended up doing was throwing the EQ stack from the splice into the Nomad and then setting it with uh, trim pots internally. But again, like I'm learning all this about manufacturing. If you go to, let's say, have a factory make those circuit boards for you, they're not going to have a guy there turning your, your trim pots inside mm-hmm. to exactly... I mean, they could. It's it just... It makes it very inefficient and expensive to have a guy like dial in your tone of the factory. So what I did was I dialed it in on the prototype, and then I'm putting set resistors. So we're basically putting a set EQ inside it, but I'm leaving the mid as a uh, as a trim pod inside so that if ever you do want to kind of do some mids, which is probably the bigger, biggest impact on the mic through this circuit, you yeah. can still kind of open up your amp and tweak a little if it just doesn't sound exactly the way you want. But I just dialed it in so you're as clear as you can be through this uh the speaker without losing base, basically. Mm-hmm. What speaker did you end up going with? That's a good question. So this is, I kind of have, I have this conflict. I'm going to be as, as honest as I can about this because like, so I'm, I'm now looking at having manufacturing done overseas. Mm-hmm. And when we say overseas, we're talking about China. And and there's always this huge, like, oh, it's made in China. So it's not as good. Like the the made in Canada label that I've had because it's mostly made in Canada has been, you know, people are like, oh, it's better quality. But the thing is, the, the, the PCBs are made in China. The, the components of most circuit boards are made in China. And going there is, it's an interesting choice. But as long as, so I'm going through Gorva. I don't know if you know Gorva. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's doing great stuff. But his quality standards are super high. So I went with him and I said, let's do this in China, but let's make it, you know, really, really good. And, and my biggest issue was I was just going to have them do the chassis and then I would source my speakers, which up till now have been Jensen's. Yeah. And they were like custom made in Italy for me. And that's it's like, oh, great. They're Jensen's. They're, they're amazing. There's no question about it. I don't have to prove these speakers are great. Um, and I said, the only question about like them making the whole amp in China is can I have those Jensen's made and shipped to China? And they're like, we don't do that. So right now what's happening is it turns out they have, because I use neodymium speakers, the neodymium mm-hmm. magnet, for weight, because it cuts the weight of the amp down like by a third. And now they're doing great things with the technology so that they actually sound comparable to a ceramic right. uh, or Alnico. Like they sound really like good, but it may f- six years ago, 10 years ago, they didn't sound good. But it makes a huge difference in the weight of the amp, like from a, like, oh, my arm hurts to you can pick it up with your pinky kind of thing. Yeah. So depending on how strong your pinky is, of course. Uh, <laughs> but so now he said they've got, you know, maybe 10 different uh, neodymium speakers in, in China. So they're going to send me a whole bunch. I'm going to try a few, and then they're going to tailor it to the cabinet and all that stuff. So we're basically going to have custom speakers made uh, in China, and I don't know how that's going to go. But I'm going to make sure that they, they sound good before I I sign off on them because to me, like— Saving money is great and making an affordable amp is good. Like there's all these priorities, right? You want the amp to be accessible. People keep saying, oh, that price is really reasonable for what it is. Uh, You can make it more expensive. And I don't really want to. I don't want to make more money because I can. I want people who need this amp to be able to buy it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I definitely want to cover my costs and I want to make enough money to continue living doing this, but I don't need to be profiteering. So there's all these variables when making this thing then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, could, you have to imagine that the primary user of this amplifier because it is portable like it's all, totally made with I mean busking essentially in mind. Mm-hmm. You have to imagine that the the target customer for this isn't swimming like Scrooge McDuck through you know gold <laughs> coins everywhere, you know. It's not not really happening. Uh, so trying to get it to where it is accessible as accessible as possible. Mm-hmm. Is the move because you know, the blues lawyer might find this interesting, but they don't really need it. You know, they're gonna go get a matchless, you know. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. what their their target is. So making but it affordable will get it to more people,
1: you know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if they buy one, I want them to also go, you know what, this holds its own. Like yeah, it's affordable, rips. but wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's that's number one, right? Is 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 this is gotta be awesome. And then the rest is details, yeah. but then after that, it's like, yeah, it's got to be accessible, um,
0: yeah. And, and so, i just really hard to do. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard <laughs> yeah. to to make literally any kind of good quality audio product that isn't you know pricey to most people because mm-hmm. it's just hard to do. There's so many different things that go into it. There are so many different concessions and considerations you have to make and you know nothing's ever going to be exactly perfect and hit every single mark you're always going to have to like like well okay this pot yeah is a little bit better but it's worse for this reason you know it maybe it feels better but like it's not as uh the it's not as accurate or like maybe you know like you said like the ceramic speakers sound really great this is really cool but now the amps you know way heavier and that defeats the purpose Mm -hmm. so there's always things you're you're having to look at and analyze and and it goes with i I think a lot of people don't understand how much time just goes into trying to make a good looking appealing box to put it in Mm you know it's like so many different 90 percent of my job is that is is just thinking of all that and
1: weighing everything and going do i do this or do i do that and yeah it hurts like it's a lot of brain work the the physical stuff isn't as bad. Like I actually, on the last run, I did all my math and I went, Oh, I'm making I'm making money in these amps. I did not uh count my hours at all. <laughs> so I did all the assembly, all the vinyl wrapping, this like even the speaker grill cloths in there with the blowtorch like melting and tamping down the corners and mm-hmm. hairdryer shrinking them. That's a little secret in case you want to tighten up your grill, by the way, is the hairdryer. But yeah. I did all of that and I didn't count my hours. So I'm looking on paper, I'm adding up, I go, okay, vinyl costs this much, the circuit boards cost this much, the batteries. Those are the two biggest expenses on the amp, is the battery pack and the speaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, my cost on a Jensen speaker is 75 US at wholesale. Right. So that's like, what is that? That's about a quarter of the sale price of the Mm -hmm. amp. Yeah. Uh, So And then the battery is about the same, because Mm -hmm. I'm not uh, cheaping out on the batteries either. And that's one of the big questions I get to is how long does the battery last? And the real answer is I don't know, because I charge mine once a month, and, wow and my yeah well i don't play like so i don't play to to be honest i don't play you know five hours a day but i'll go and turn it on and noodle for half an hour like every day mm-hmm. so it lasts it's about this big and it's the same cells as they put in teslas the 18650s mm-hmm. uh lithium ion things them. yeah yeah lithium mm-hmm. ion and there i had a pack i have packs made i put a little indicator on them but they last forever, which is, and that's what I wanted. Cause I was talking to, to my friend and I was like, Hey, we could take one cell out and take, you know, two amp hours off. Uh, what do you think? He's like, no, go for the, go for the huge battery. Keep it, you know, you've set a standard now for battery life. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and yeah, I think like, I get to come back to your point about busking. It's interesting because people say like, Oh, is the, it's a busking amp. And I try and shy away from that because I, I, I've done a lot of busking in my life. I don't really do that much anymore, uh, which is a luxury, really, because, you know, if you're busking, it's because you probably need to. Right. Uh, or you enjoy it. But, I mean, that's a, it's a job, right? Busking's a job. Totally. And, and, uh, and I don't want people to really think about this as a busking amp. I want them to think it's a great busking amp, but I'm trying to uh, make it so it's a great everything amp. Like, if you only had to own one, I would want it to be this one. Because mm-hmm. of all the boxes that it checks, right? Like, so I have jazz players who are like, hey, this thing's really clean, really loud, and really light and small, and I can just carry to my gig on the train. Perfect. You know, Exactly. It's battery-powered, so there's no 60-cycle hum. So I can go right. to the recording studio and have no hum from this amp and run all my pedals hum-free off of
0: it, too. So, like, I'm trying to, like, check all those boxes for people. Well, and you know, talking about that specifically, if you are a jazz player, you know, going around to New York City, for instance, you know, they like it loud and clean and noise free. And mm-hmm. you plug in at some of these old clubs with the old janky wiring and stuff, and you're not gonna be clean anymore. Like in, yeah. in many, many cases. You're gonna have some ground loop somewhere, you know, somebody running a... a their hair dryer in the apartment upstairs, and it's going to influence you downstairs. <laughs> like, there's all kinds of different it things. It sounds like Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, this takes care of that. You don't have to worry about it. You just grip, throw it on stage, yeah. and you're you're ready to go. And you don't have to worry about any of those problems. So that is a. It's, I think that's something that's not really talked about with battery power specifically. It's super clean. Yeah, there's no no interference yeah. with that kind of stuff. It's fun sometimes to be like in the middle of a jam and just
1: pick up your amp and just walk over to the other side of the room you know just move around <laughs> while you're playing confuse everyone what
0: what does he do you could
1: even strap it to your back to be honest like you could throw it in a backpack you know and leave a leave a hole or something and just walk around with it on your
0: back how much but does it weigh what's the overall weight on the new one i think it's 12 pounds i want to say oh wow yeah so i've got one here 12 pounds that's, I have guitars that are almost that much. So Yeah, yeah it's about a Les Paul. It's about a Les, <laughs> Les Paul weight. <way. laughs> Not bad. Not bad at all. That, that's actually really nice for gigging. That's super nice.
1: Yeah, you can see. The, uh, you can audibly see with the right. sound waves. For anybody watching, there's the magnet. It's very small. It's like a hockey puck size. Yeah, instead yeah. Instead of a, a dinner plate size. And there's the battery in there, which is also and that quite cover
0: huge. just pops off is that velcro is that what's going on? yep yeah. nice for the bit. audio audience, he pulled the back cover off of the amplifier and showed me the little tiny speaker magnet, so there you go, yeah, the behind the scenes view mm-hmm, so moving forward with this, once the amp's done, once it's dialed in, it's everything's up and running as you are hoping that it does hmm is there more products is there other ideas that you have that you're wanting to explore is there other things you're looking at or are you kind of gonna just roll with this for a while and and see how it does
1: uh, that's a that's a great question uh, i think the process of this i kind of got caught up in this process and now my brain's like what else can i do what else can i you know watch too many of those inspirational videos and i just have a list <laughs> now of of like things i want to make And because I'm learning the manufacturing process and the development process, you can just throw something now into that formula. And I have a little bit of a network now. I have a guy I I go to to say, how do I solve this little noise here or this problem? I have a guy to go to to say, hey, can you do a a circuit board layout? So I kind of have this this road that I've cleared to to be able to bring things from my brain to a store or to your pedal board kind of thing, which is really neat. So I go, what else can I make? What is... Necessary. And that's kind of always been my approach is where are the holes? Because Mm -hmm. I could go and make a distortion pedal, but not only has it been done a million times, there's all this competition for it. You wouldn't get, even if it was the best distortion pedal in the world, nobody would know because there's so much noise out there. So I go, okay, well, what is nobody doing? Because then I can be the best at that. Right. Uh, And that's what I've done in other fields of my life as well. You just pick something that nobody else is doing and then, you know, (laughs) stop to the front of the line. So Uh, there's a couple ideas I have. People have been asking me for a bass version of the Nomad. That's, uh, but that's a little bit down the road. Bass actually sounds great through it already, which is lucky. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to do a version of the, the Nomad for bass with like a kind of a built in compressor or limiter. Um, and then, so I was talking to my friend who was helping me with my Instagram ads and I ended up making him a uh, in collaboration with my buddy Dave, who's been helping me. We made him an eleven seventy six compressor, mm-hmm. and we we built him like an old school style one. And he loved it. He's like, I throw this on everything now. And he, I think he does um, soundtracks for movies and stuff. So he was just in love with this thing. And I went like, I saw his passion for it, and I went, I've got to figure out how to now share that with other people and like make something like that. And so my next idea. I should really wait till it's more finished to, to share it so people don't steal it. But it's coming down the line. I've already had two or three prototypes that we've made. Uh, it's just once the Nomad's finished, I can kind of dive into it. But it's basically going to be a, uh, I call it the pocket studio compressor. So it's Ooh. all the features of a like, a like a desktop or a studio compressor, but in a pedal, which yeah. has been done. Compressor pedals have been done. But um, the idea is it takes uh, XLR and quarter inch in and mm-hmm. out so yes. you can go and it's got phantom power and so what that means is you can do a bunch of things with it so you can also there's also a dry mix so you, and then the attack release and and level and all that stuff you can change the ratio and there's a vu on it but the main thing is that because it's got phantom power and you can also power it with phantom power you can it's super versatile nice you power it with phantom power or nine volts from a pedal board and it's set up so and there's a foot switch on it so this way, it's top jacks for your pedal board, and then this way, it's XLR through for like on your, on your desktop. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so what you could do is you can use it as a DI. You can use it as a just a phantom power source if you bypass it. So if you have a condenser mic and you want to power it with a little preamp, you can use it for that. And then you engage the compressor, and now you've got compression on it. So if you're doing podcasts or YouTube stuff or anything, you can kind of put it in there and then... The circuit is uh yeah, just designed to be a really noise-free and really smooth sounding compressed. We're like dialing in the sound. And so it's more about utility. Like I I start from the end of the user first. Yeah. Right? So you go, what do I need to accomplish? You know,
0: what are the uses of this? And then I work backwards from there. Mm-hmm. I love the sound of that. That sounds awesome to me. I I've been trying to make an effort to, when I'm recording, to remember to put a DI track out on everything because mm-hmm. I'm getting more into, uh, I know, I know everyone's going to call me out for this. I'm getting more into the digital uh, amps and stuff. And because it's just, they've improved so much. And I always find it really nice to be playing with the amps in the room, letting that air move around me and blow around. But sometimes, especially when I'm doing heavier guitars, it's nice to have a DI track out. So I can play around with a bunch of high gain amps that I don't have in post Mm -hmm. and mix them in with the original signal and just and get just a huge variety of different sounds so i've been a big di guy over the last probably year and a half and so like this sounds incredibly flexible and incredibly cool for i can think of a bunch of different use cases for this just right off the top of my head even not even not even considering the really nice compressor that's in it too so yeah that's a that's a great idea
1: Thanks. Yeah, well, because it's it's that those things that get my brain going. Like my brain is a problem solver to the mm-hmm. point that you know uh, people don't like being around me because I I try and improve everything. And I really got to work <laughs> on being more com- complimentary. You know, finding things that are working fine and pointing them out. Like, oh, that's that's a great thing. But instead, I'm like, here's how you can fix this. Here's how this is improved. So <laughs> my brain is always doing that. Girls hate it. Uh, and and so it's really fun for me to go. Okay, I've got a Zoom and I'm I'm at this live show like. I'm thinking again of Mexico or of situations I've been in where we're on this like pallet stage in the back of a mojito bar and all the friends are jamming and rocking out. It's noisy, there's bad electricity. And I go, I want to capture this in a really professional way. That would work is to go, you know, take a line out, go through this nice compressor and then into my Zoom or something like that. I mean, Zooms do have built-in compressors, but I'm just thinking in terms of situations that I'm in where I go, what would I need to do this? Or I've had friends ask me like, oh, I have a condenser mic, but how do I power this on stage? And I go, well- This would work there, and you'd also smooth it out a bit because, you know, maybe they don't know how to work the system or whatever. I guess you'd be fighting with the sound guy to, to see who's doing all the levels and stuff. But just these situations where, where you need something that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. or or that does
0: exist but isn't very common, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic idea. That's a that's something that. Yeah, I'm just – you got my brain going. I'm like, wow, I can think of so many different things to use it for just in a regular studio. That's really cool. Very,
1: very cool. And that's the same with the splice, too, is like there's kind of scenarios like – it's the same with uh, any kind of adapter, really. If you got like an adapter from headphone to quarter inch and you're like you know, – you're sitting there, you're trying to just pull off something. You know, you're doing a home recording or you're in a weird scenario and you go, oh, I need to plug this into that thing. How do I do that? How do I – Mm-hmm. mesh these things together. And so that's some of my tools can be used in that way as well, which is nice. Because you're always you're always scrambling
0: and you're trying to MacGyver something together sonically. <laughs> you know, it's it's something that I suffer from really badly is, you know, I tend to chase like the exciting things like, oh cool, there's a new chase bliss pedal or cool, this new really mm-hmm. awesome fuzz just came out, or this, you know, thing that is, you know, more more obviously, like, intriguing, I guess. You know, Mm -hmm. new guitars, new, you know, whatever. But some, (laughs) this happens to me every time. I'll buy, I'll put off buying boring things, quote-unquote, boring Mm -hmm. things. Like this boom mic arm here. I put it off for Mm -hmm. years. I had this stupid little stand on my table. I mean, it's not stupid, but it was made for, you know, micing an amp. And so it was big and heavy and, like, not easy to position where I needed it. And... I just fought with it for years and years. Finally, I got this boom arm and I attached it to my table and was just like, and I was like, you know, I do this every time, every time I, I bought like five different or maybe even seven. I think was the number it's like seven different fuzz pedals when I first started getting into pedals before I bought a tuner. Mm-hmm. I finally bought a tuner, and I was like, Well, this makes life a lot easier. I just like you don't need I to be always in tune do with that, that much fuzz. <laughs> that's true. you just keep keep stacking it. it'll be fine, but it's yeah. after it's five fuzz like... pedals, you can't tell. <laughs> oh, somebody can you know <laughs> the trolls on the internet they can tell they they know what's going on, but yeah it's it's the boring stuff sometimes though that makes the biggest difference in yeah, your or, recording. or simplicity, yeah or or and sometimes getting you to that point where you're actually able to do the creating you know Mm -hmm. you'll pull something out of yourself faster and more easily than if you didn't have that thing and i i do this with not just musical stuff i'll like deal with a loose drawer for years before i like and tighten the knob up and i'm like well Mm -hmm. that was easier i'm it's a flaw i'm trying to work on it with myself but i don't think i'm alone there's a concept called the paradox of choice and it's that basically,
1: uh, if you have, we think it's a good thing to have lots of choices, but our brain doesn't actually like that. And it's a lot easier to make a decision when you have fewer choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I find that same thing is like, because when I met my buddy Dave and I, I see this whole wall of pedals he's built and he builds crazy things into lunch boxes and all kinds of weird things. And there's no labeling. I go, what does this do? What does this do? What does this do? And you're like a kid in a candy store and you discover all these different Things and you 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 always make your pedal board huge, and then eventually you kind of distill it to what you actually use. And instead of being like in a in a cockpit of a pilot of an airplane trying to <laughs> dial in all this stuff, and you're like, when am I actually playing music? And so it's nice to come down to like just a few pedals, and even sometimes you know, like just plug right into the amp, and you go, oh right, this is why I do this. This mm-hmm. is you know kind of the purest expression of this. So yeah. Uh, some of that stuff is boring, but I find too, like just getting back to just a few simple things, and that's why, too, like there's a few other things that I wanted to design, and I thought let's just keep it you know like as as few things between you and music as possible yeah
0: yeah it's it, that is true. The paradox of choice is a real thing, and i you know I am a gear hoarder and collector, and sometimes. I do just like, I'm just plugging into the amp today, which I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would probably expect from me, but sometimes I do mm-hmm. just plug straight in and, and let it rip because sometimes I like, I only have 20 minutes. I don't have, mm-hmm. you know, two hours to set up a full new rig like I normally would do and run all these crazy pedals and things, which is, I love doing that. But sometimes it's like, I really want to play and I only have a little bit of time. And sometimes other well, the you most. Have a, you have a kid, the, right? I, yeah, I have two. Yeah. Oof. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that's going to make it tough to find that time. Uh, You know, it can be, but fortunately, you know, this is what I do for a living. So it's a little bit easier for me than mm-hmm. it would be for, for a lot of people. That said, I'm like in a, a crazily hectic period right now with, um, you know, there's stuff with Stringjoy that I got, got going on. I'm flying out there next week and you know, a ton of like home projects that I've put off for years that I'm, you know, trying to get done this year. And, uh, and then on top of that, you know, just trying to be present and be, be a good dad. It's, it's yeah. a lot, it's a lot right now. And I'm looking forward to getting some of these things wrapped up and being able to get back into my normal swing of things. Cause I'm working on another EP and some other musical stuff that I've had to unfortunately back burner just because there's only so much time in the day and you got to sleep at some Mm -hmm. point so it is what it is (laughs) that's what they say (laughs) that is i have to i am actually just the biggest i'm the biggest wuss with sleep some people can like run on three hours if i'm Mm -hmm. tired i am the most inefficient person in the world my brain just does not work without sleep and i've seen people i think i think nobody really works without sleep to their peak efficiency but I've seen some people who are much – well, my wife even. She can operate much better on lack of sleep than I can. I've got to get at least six in or I'm just an idiot. (laughs) Like my brain just doesn't work. But yeah, I know know there are some people that they're like superhuman somehow. And they're like, I haven't slept in four (laughs) days. And look at all this stuff I got done. I'm like, yeah, it ain't me, man. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, maybe they're just like functioning alcoholics where it
1: looks like they're keeping it together. But meanwhile, they're like – Messaging weird, you know, like when you have a pull an all nighter and you just start like having weird conversations with people from high school or something on MSN Messenger or whatever. <laughs> like you're like, where am I right now? Like like the ambient wall risk kind of thing.
0: <laughs> like your brain just shuts down, and you think you're doing things normally. I I have a friend who's he's like I've gotten so much work done, but they're like <laughs> when you when you talk to him, it's like you did. But also, you could have got that same amount of work done and slept. You were woefully inefficient with your time. Yeah. Because you're so scattered because you're so fried. It's like, oh, I gotta stay up so I can get all this done. Sometimes that's true, but oftentimes for him, I'm like, you'd get that same amount of work done if you would just sleep. Because you spent two hours on the phone with me telling me how much work you got done. Like in that two hours, mm-hmm. what could you have done if you were a little sharper mentally? You know? Yeah, Probably time a management. Lot. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not criticizing. Everybody's got their own operational mode. Mine's just not that. So, yeah, <laughs> whatever works. I've been works, staying up till
1: till about four every night since I got back from Mexico. Just all the stuff there is to do. Still on this amp, we actually got it going. I think this week we finally hit the point where everything was working, which was mm-hmm. nice. And then I went, oh, there's all the other stuff to do, the website. Now I'm like, oh, I should design T-shirts. So I spent an entire day. You would think, oh, I just throw a logo on a T-shirt and I'm done. But I think it was like seven or eight hours of like, oh, this color or that color or this or the text here. And there's just there's endless work when it comes to this stuff. But yeah, pulling like till four in the morning basically every night and then waking up and, go, uh, and then just hopping
0: back on it. I, I think a lot of people, myself included, prior to like diving more into this stuff, They don't really realize, like, it took us three months to do the rebrand for Stringjoy. And that was with, like, a team of people working on it, you know? And it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like it should take that long. It seems like it should be much faster than that. You'll come up with a good idea. Mm -hmm. You'll execute. Boom. But then you have to think about, like, how does it look? In this position, does this work on a T-shirt? Does this work on this side of the box? Do you want to put this here? Or, like everything has to be considered if you want to do it right. And I mm-hmm. think until you've actually had a hand in that process, uh, you don't realize how intensive that can really be. And it's like, oh, this is why graphic design is a full-time job for people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because then you you put the whole thing together and
1: you export the files and you go, know, "Oh, that looks good." You put it on a T-shirt and you go. Ah, oh, you know what? On that background, I've got to cut out this, this, and this. And then you go back and you do all that. And then you go, oh, you know what? And so I've got like 37 variations and probably like 15 files that say this is the final one of, <laughs> you know, the design. And and it's funny because you show stuff to people and they go, Oh, that looks nice. And it's like, yeah, but you have no idea the the journey from here to there, what that took. And if you just look at it and then people judge that based on what they see finally, they like, go, ah. It's okay. And you're like, yeah, but from where the idea started, like start with nothing and then end up here and mm-hmm. see how much there is in between. It's it's mind-blowing. Even to me, to watch my own process is like,
0: wow, this is a lot more involved than I would have guessed. Everything is, you know? Yeah. I think there's very few things in life that are... Uh, what I've realized is that everything is kind of what you think it is to a degree. You know, before I knew anything about guitar strings, I was like is it really just like metal wrapped around metal? And it's like, it is metal wrapped around metal. You know, it's like, and, but in doing that, there's infinite variables of how you can wrap yeah. that metal around that metal and whether that's yeah. going to work or not. And it's precisely it's, this way that's the good way. Yes, exactly. And, and some people do it a different way. And it, it's, it's so crazy to like, this is a, should be just like a one-step process. You just wrap it around, mm-hmm. but No that's it's so much more than that and it's that way with everything you look at pedals and you're like is it really just like soldering all those components to a circuit board it's like it is but there are infinite ways you can solder those components mm-hmm. to a circuit board and if you do yeah. them just slightly different even a layout like like the same yeah, circuit laid out components yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy so and that's why it's, it's the uh, that's why these things are all I like like the graphic design thing are full-time jobs for somebody you mm-hmm. know because there's so many ways to do it. That's, a, that's an interesting concept, like the
1: infinite monkeys, infinite typewriters thing. Like yeah. <laughs> because of hu- humanity, like we're basically running a simulation where like, we're all like, the data in this computer. And I, I bring it back to Mexico, again, where you like, think of tacos. And you go, oh, well, it's a corn tortilla, some form of meat, lettuce, tomato, uh, maybe cilantro. Like, it's like maybe 10 things. How, how mm-hmm. many ways could you put that together? And every single place you go to, it tastes different. Yep. And it comes down to the care uh, of the person doing it, like, you know, did they think about, oh, maybe I'll try this ingredient or I'll source these things fresh, or they just go, this is how I learned it. I'm just going to slap it together. Or, you know, their parents did it a certain way. Like there's all these millions of variables that end up with this thing. And, and the same thing with like all these fuzz pedals. That's where the obsession comes from is like, if I use this transistor, then we'll get, ex-, you know, like, and you can't, even, there's not even concepts to describe it anymore. Like, you're just like, oh, this fuzz has kind of like a lemony, Electrical, you know, tingle. <laughs> you know, you get to this point where you're like, oh, that's wooly. Like, how is how is it wooly? You know what I mean? Right. Because there's so there's so many fine nuances in it, like flavor almost. And and that's the fun. Like, I think that's why we do this is is those little things. And the more, the longer you do it, the more you can pick
0: those out. We're like uh, wine tasting, but for sound. Yes, a hundred percent. That is a great analogy. Actually, it's like, oh, this one. I mean. Wine is actually really similar in that you're like, oh, yeah, this one tastes like tobacco, olive oil, and lemon juice. And it's like, does it, though? Like, is, Or does it taste like wine? And, you know, yeah. the more you do it, the more you can pick those things out. And in my palate for are your, you, cr- uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to. And are you trying to get drunk or are you trying to enjoy the
1: flavors? You know, right. are you just trying to play loud or, or are those things important to you?
0: Mm-hmm. And whatever, either way is fine. It's just know mm-hmm. what your goal is and know what you're trying to yeah. do. Some people are just trying to play loud, and that's fine. Yeah. Play loud. Some people are really trying to sample the sound and like, huh, mm-hmm. it's interesting that overtone that happens specifically on a A, you know, but it doesn't mm-hmm. happen on a G. Weird. And people can't that I wonder if we can't have pick like that receptors up. in our brain for that pleasure. Like if, because it does give you
1: a form of pleasure, else we wouldn't do it. Like everything has a reward, right? Like. Totally. The, when you do that and your amp sounds good and that's exactly what I'm doing is trying to hit those centers in my brain to go, oh yeah. When I, you know, <laughs> with a real spring or like dialing in the the tone exactly where it's like,
0: oh, that feels good. hmm definitely, definitely. Well, let's see. We are closing in on the end of the podcast, at least the main episode. And I think that I think that I've asked you the classic questions already because yeah, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't been that long since you've been on. Those were already I'm part a of the program. You're a Taurus? Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. You're one of the earth signs. I just found out about that yesterday. I don't know what any of that means. On but, Instagram. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I'm one of the fire signs. I mean, like, how, how many ways can we break down these star things? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just... It's really important to, to people nowadays. I think the younger generation is super. It came back. There's kind of
1: like a cycle for that kind of stuff. The 70s was huge on astrology. And yeah. And then the 90s, they're into hair gel. And then it came, it's coming back. The hair gel or the, or the, uh, <laughs> the astrology? Maybe both. I'm seeing, it's both. funny, I'm seeing kids now dressing like the 90s, like the bucket yes. hats and the things. I know this makes you sound like an old person, but you see this and you're like, wow, that wasn't cool when I was younger. And now it's not cool again but they I don't know
0: it's it's so funny to see that cycle live oh yeah now I've said this before on the podcast but now 90s mom jeans are like in again there used to be a whole (laughs) an SNL skit about that you know now they're now they're trendy again I literally Mm -hmm. like walk over to my friend's like my friend's house and his 14 year old daughter I'm like I'm old now aren't I because I don't understand Mm -hmm. this yep you know I don't understand it we crossed the line we are old but uh, oh yeah. Anyway, so we yeah. So we are closing in there. We should yeah. Uh, we're closing be in and you, Yeah, I know you have some things you got to plug. So let's do that real quick before I I ask you some new questions.
1: Well, it's I. It's less of a plug, just some information for people. Uh, I'm doing the new nomads. We're doing a run of 300 this time, so it is a limited number. Uh, I mean, there should be enough for everybody, but the demand is like, I've been getting every day I was in Mexico, I'd get a new message saying, when are they coming out? And I was like, oh, maybe I should go back to Canada and make some more. (laughs) But uh, so I'm doing that and I'm launching the pre-sale. I guess this is going to come out probably on the 30th, this recording. So by the time this recording is out, I think the pre-sale will have already been open a day or two. So there'll still be some available um, and those will be on templodevices.com, the pre-sale. And then it's going to take probably two months for manufacturing two th- to three months. Uh, so by the end of the summer, they should be shipping to people. And then I'm also making T-shirts and other stuff. The splices are available right now, but the uh, the nomads are coming out. They're going to be awesome. Uh, I'm really excited about them. And and yeah, you just hop on the website and the presale is now. And the reason I'm doing that is because like I could do a Kickstarter. My investor is long gone. <laughs> he took off and code. He's like, ah, eh, I'm going to stop putting money into this. Uh, so I've been like just floating for a year and a half now on on the these sales and just taking that money and turning it back in. So we're doing a pre-sale, taking that money and using the money from the pre-sale to pay for the, the large manufacturing process. And then, yeah, that's how we keep, keep
0: it going. There you go. Right on everybody. So yeah, go check that out. You see, you heard the, you heard the website, it'll be in the show notes. So you can just click that and it'll take you right where you need to go. So I don't remember if I asked this specific one last time, so we'll get into it, but, I'm going to change up the last question that everybody's used to hearing. And I know, shame on me. But first of all, what's your favorite boss pedal? EQ. The EQ. Oh, yep. I remember that now. From it, It's coming mm-hmm. back into my brain. You were the, one of the EQ fans because you can just this, you can shape your sound however you need it in the moment. It's, it's just been really versatile. I mean, there's lots of great boss pedals. Don't get me wrong. If I had to go
1: for, if I want to come up with a second one, I'd say the slow gear.
0: Oh, yeah. The Slow Gear is fun. It's very fun. It's hard to find, but it's a fun pedal. Definitely. All right. Now, normally I ask about pizza, and everybody knows that. But since you've been on before, and we've already talked about that, and you just spent all this time in Mexico, let's talk Mm -hmm. about your very favorite taco. What is your favorite kind of taco or the best taco you've ever had? I would say it's a tie.
1: My my go-to is called suadero. Which is like mm-hmm. the meat of the face of a cow, which sounds okay. gross. I thought it was I thought it was rib meat for the longest time. I just learned this a year ago, and it's like, oh, it isn't the same as costilla, but it's not. So suadero is like the, the the head meats of the cow. It's very tender. It's like m- more tender than ribs, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a is a go-to, but probably my f- all-time favorite is called cochinita pibil, which is uh, traditionally from like Yucatan area, and it's they slow cook a pig on in a metal container underground on coals for like a day Ooh. or two.
0: That's yeah. kind of like Hawaiian's
1: like they yeah, kind of do that. Yeah. It just falls apart. And there's this place in uh in Tulum. I used to live in Tulum. I don't anymore because Instagram murdered it, but it used to be a lot more chill. And there's this place there called uh Honorario. And it's right in the town, not on the beach. And if you go there, they make their own tortillas that are amazing. They're just, I don't know, they're know—they're—they're different than other tortillas. They're not dry.
0: Um, and then they do cochinita and it's probably the best taco I've ever had in my life. Oh, man. That sounds, I think I'm having tacos for dinner tonight now. Yeah. I've been, Adelina's, here I come. That's my local <laughs> favorite taco truck. I, I think that's on the menu tonight. So that sounds tremendous. One of these days, I need to get back to Mexico. I haven't been down there since, uh, wow, since my honeymoon a long time ago. And, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were kind of just touristing around, and we pretty much uh-huh. just hit all the tourist trap spots. But now that yeah. I, I, I'm a little more hip to that stuff. I'm like, okay, now we gotta we gotta go, and we gotta hit the where are the locals eating? That's where we want to go. That's, yeah, that's I gotta say,
1: I'm gonna just put a word out for the North American listeners. If you don't know already, Mexico is a wonderful country. I think a lot of people have preconceptions about it. Um, I I love it there. I've I mean you know, every country has its ups and downs and stuff happens, but I've never really felt unsafe there that much. Uh And I don't go to resorts or anything. Like I, I go to just little towns and get an apartment or something. I also speak Spanish pretty fluently, so that, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's such an amazing country. Like so much color and life and art. And it's just, it's a different way of doing everything. Like again, like the same ingredients can make Two different tacos the same thing with like life if you have all the same ingredients to make a country but you have a different mindset doing it like everything's just slightly different and you go down there and if you go with like this this attitude of like openness and you go oh that's how you do that here that's interesting you know mm-hmm. and there's there's so much about it that i
0: love yeah yeah i mean it's just it's such a it's such a different culture like you say it's just a they it sounds like you know token white dude, but like, it's just, it's got so much more flavor to it than like, you know, we put mayonnaise on everything. And I don't mean that in just in life, in in cuisine, but also in life, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they, and they spice everything up, you know, whether it's musical or art or uh, just in the way that they decorate their, their houses and stuff is just, it's completely different. Yeah. I find that about like the French
1: Canadians of, uh, of Canada as well. There's, it's more of a Latin approach to life. And I think to, to distill it, if I could, would be, I think they're less worried about death and more involved in life. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're less worried about like maybe saving for the future or, or don't, you know, get the rug dirty. It's more like enjoying everything because they understand, especially like, like the day of the dead is to remember the dead and and acknowledge death, right? Like memento mori kind of thing where, you know, you're going to die. So don't worry about it. Right. And and that just frees them up where I find like in the, let's say the English speaking part of Canada or maybe some like British influence culture in North America is that kind of like everything needs to be orderly or or it's going to be, you know, bad news kind of thing. Everybody's a little bit anxious all the time. So like I find road rage here. I got back to Canada and road rage is so much, people are so annoyed if you go slow or you didn't signal. And in Mexico, like I've almost been run over on my skateboard and we
0: both look at each other and we're like, Oh, or didn't die. Okay, have
1: a good day. Like and, you know,
0: It's just a different vibe. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Well, dude, <clears throat> oops, excuse me. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty good spot to wrap up for the main podcast. Thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. This was a great chat. I knew I was going to enjoy it because yeah. I really enjoyed the last one. So we'll segue <laughs> over to Patreon, and uh, we'll tell everybody bye for now, I think.
1: We'll see you over there.
0: All right. For Scott, this is Blake, and as always, folks, Good luck, and good tones. All right, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And again, like I mentioned in the beginning, the Patreon is even better, in my opinion. We get really weird on that one. So, I mean, all kinds of different things, from the effects of plants, to how they may communicate with each other, to who knows what. We went down to some very strange places on that one, which was really, really fun. And I also wanted to remind everyone... If you are buying gear, if you are wanting to support the show through your gear buying, you can go to ToneMob.com Sweetwater or ToneMob.com slash Reverb, and those are in the show notes. So if you do any purchasing through either of those links, that comes back and helps support the show, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. I would really, really appreciate that, and I really want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to everyone who does use those links. So... Anyway, without further ado, well, what do you mean without further ado? You're done. What are you talking about, Blake? You're losing it. You've cracked. Let the people go. Stop talking. Okay, goodbye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what?